Your Excellencies, distinguished guests, colleagues, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Danny Kwa, and it is my pleasure to welcome you all to the LSE this evening. The event tonight is a public lecture, as you know, by our distinguished speaker, who I will introduce properly in just a minute. But the event tonight is also the launch of something new at LSE, the Sorcery Hawk Southeast Asia Center, the official host for this evening. Now, before the event begins properly, I have been told that I need to remind everyone of the rules of engagement this evening, rules set down by LSE conferences. In a few minutes, the speaker will deliver his lecture, after which he has kindly agreed to a question-and-answer session. The event altogether, after the Q&A, will end at 8 p.m. Both the public lecture and the Q&A session are being recorded, as well as being live-streamed from the LSE website for those who haven't been able to make it here physically this evening. I hope that the entire podcast will be available online not too long afterwards. As a consequence, I need everyone to be aware that this recording is, in fact, happening. Please put your mobile phones on silent so that the proceedings can be undisrupted. But at the same time, at LSE, we encourage people to tweet, to live tweet in public lectures as the event unfolds. So if you would, please feel free to do so. Light up that Twitter board using the hashtag LSESEAC. The Southeast Asia Center is an interdisciplinary, regionally focused center. It is a hub for all LSE activity relating to Southeast Asia. It provides an academic platform for public debate and dissemination. Our work at the center involves public engagement and research and scholarship. The center's activities and the center itself, metaphorically, provides a space for students, for journalists and for practitioners, scholars of all stripes, to come together and focus on issues that are central to the concerns of the people in Southeast Asia. We do work, we do research on policy issues that need reflection and hard thinking and rigorous analysis. The Southeast Asia Center seeks to foster in a balanced and neutral environment the most careful and, when needed, the most disruptive of thinking. We want scholars and students and public servants, responsible citizens and observers to participate, people who will then provide service and leadership 
to the region specifically and to the world more generally. In our work at the centre, Southeast Asia is defined by ever-shifting boundaries with spillovers and interconnections across all of global society and throughout the interconnected world economy. At the same time, however, the association of Southeast Asian nations, ASEAN, the topic of this evening's lecture, has provided a concrete entity that begins our Southeast Asia discussion. Now, to celebrate the launch of the Southeast Asia Centre, we have as our inaugural speaker, Dato Sri Nazir, the chairman of CIMB Group. His topic this evening is the ASEAN Economic Community, a view from business. When Nazir graduated from, well, let's just say another university here in the UK, and he looked he looked for a job back in Malaysia. He was turned down when he first applied for a position at what was a small financial institution called CIMB. But he tried again, and he went back. And he rose in that organization to eventually become its CEO in 1999. This last year, 2014, Nazir retired as CIME Group CEO, and he became the group's chairman. In his 15-year tenure as CEO, Nazir steered CIMB from a smallish boutique investment bank, comprising maybe 300 people, into one of the world's largest Islamic banks, the Malaysia's second largest banking group and fifth largest investment no, I misspoke, and the largest investment bank based in Asia-Pacific, not counting Japan. Finance Asia named CIMB Group Best Investment Bank and Best Bond House. Euromoney named CIMB Group Best Islamic Bank in Asia and Best Bank in Malaysia. Today, CIMB is the fifth largest banking group across all of ASEAN, and it provides ASEAN's largest retail branch network. The ASEAN Business Advisory Council named CIMB the most admired ASEAN enterprise. CIMB Group has aligned itself firmly on the idea of ASEAN. After extending CIMB Group throughout, through acquisition and expansion throughout ASEAN, Nazir has also pushed the group to reach out and establish bases as far afield as Sydney, Seoul, Hong Kong, Bahrain, London, New York, and elsewhere across the world. Successful as CIMB Group has been, the man himself, Nazir, was named Asia Money's best top executive in Malaysia, two years running, and Finance Asia's best Malaysian CEO, and one of their 50 most influential figures in the region through 2006. For anyone who has paid attention to ASEAN and the region, it will not escape notice, however, that Nazir is much more 
than just another businessman. Yes, he's a captain of finance and industry, but he's also articulate thought leader and patriot and champion, not just for Malaysia, the country of both his birth and mine, but for the greater ASEAN community. Nazir has constantly and consistently spoken out on the values required for true, genuine leadership, inclusiveness, frugality, integrity, commitment to genuine democracy, keen drive to do good in public service. He has roundly condemned extremism and the systemic excesses that have led to sharp inequality in status and well-being across segments of all society, and they have divided everyone, even as all of us should be striving for greater unity. He has implored moderates to speak up, lest the social and political narrative be left simply for extremists to dictate. I can think of few individuals more appropriate to kick off our Southeast Asia Center's stream of public events. I ask you to join me in welcoming Dato Sri Nazir to LSE and inviting him to deliver this evening's lecture. Thank you, uh, Danny. I'm doubly embarrassed, firstly, by that uh, uh, introduction, um, but secondly, because I didn't even realize I was giving the inaugural lecture uh, until I arrived. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you. Uh, great honor, uh, and congratulations uh, on the new Southeast Asia uh, Center. Um, I think uh, it's a wonderful uh, initiative, uh, and we uh, hope, uh, we at CIMB hope to do more uh, with this centre. Um, not that we're going to donate anything, but just... Uh, <laughs> your, your Excellencies, uh, Ambassadors and uh, High Commissioners, uh, distinguished guests, you know, when most commentators refer to examples of um, ASEAN multinationals, uh, more often uh, than not, uh, they actually cite two uh, examples or two companies. One run by a Bristol University alumni, CIMB, and two, a low-cost carrier run by an LSE alumni, AirAsia. So Tony and I are actually very competitive uh, as to who uh, is more ASEAN, who's been driving uh, the corporate agenda uh, for ASEAN. So I was delighted uh, that in Davos last week, I was able to tell him that his alma mater chose me uh, <laughs> to speak on AEC. Uh, and to repeat, not him, me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let me, therefore, again extend uh, my gratitude to LSE uh, and uh, especially to Danny uh, for uh, the pleasure 
or saying those things to Tony, uh, but also uh, this opportunity, of course, uh, to share my thoughts uh, on the ASEAN uh, Economic Community. community. At the uh, World Economic Forum, uh, there was uh, a great deal of interest uh, about uh, uh, ASEAN. Uh, the World Economic Forum itself uh, organized uh, several panels and roundtables amongst ASEAN um, ministers uh, as well as business leaders to discuss uh, regional integration uh, and to engage international investors uh, about uh, the region. Ironically, at the World Economic Forum, we also saw symptoms of the disconnect that is ASEAN. There was no ASEAN organized event. Each country did their own promotional events with scant mention of this year's ASEAN economic community. And Malaysia and Thailand even managed to host their APRE conference parties uh, on the same evening. And yet, it is 2015. It is the year that we launched the ASEAN economic community. Now, for the sake of uh, making sure everyone is uh, uh, roughly on the same page, uh, let me just very quickly, in one slide, overview the evolution uh, of ASEAN. Formed uh, in uh, 1967, uh, the intergovernmental organization initially comprised uh, five uh, major Southeast Asian countries, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, and Philippines. Uh, but by 1999, uh, it had roped in all ten countries. In a region of fledgling nation-states that had a history of frequent conflict, ASEAN is rightly credited for bringing about a new era of peace and stability uh, to the region. In 1992, uh, having uh, stabilized uh, politically the region, uh, ASEAN uh, was looking for more meaning uh, and looked towards uh, finding ways uh, of cooperating, uh, of cooperation between countries. Uh, and uh, we launched the free trade area, or at least the uh, plan for free trade area uh, in 1992. In 2007, ASEAN effectively placed uh, economics uh, at the forefront with the adoption of the ASEAN Charter for an ASEAN Economic Community by 2020. Uh, the, sorry, by ASEAN Community by 2020. Uh, this ASEAN Community has three uh, pillars. Uh, one is the ASEAN Security Community, uh, which, was to, which is to be achieved by 2020 the ASEAN cultural community also by 2020, but the ASEAN economic community uh, would be achieved uh, by 2015, uh, which is uh, now. Yeah. They twisted it a bit. They said by 2015, uh, and then along the way they said by means 31st December 2015. <laughs> um, so they bought uh, one more year. It's important, I think, to understand uh, that these 10 countries are very different uh, from Europe, but we came together not really because of any great affection uh, for one another, but because of fear, yeah. and which is good, because I think uh, fear binds. Uh, affection can be quite fickle. Uh, my wife is here. I hope she didn't hear that. Yeah. 
fear because each country uh, on its own is small and weak, dispensable pieces on the chessboard of big powers. Collectively, uh, they have a large voice and greater bargaining power on the world stage. From the very beginning, though, the leaders enshrine the principle of non-intervention in each other's affairs. It is somewhat ironic that they saw being part of a regional organisation as a means to defend their independence, to preserve their existing ways. ASEAN has also been an effective platform to resolve bilateral issues between member states, uh, and even when issues are not resolved uh, between countries, it is a very good multilateral platform uh, for countries uh, to continue to work together. Uh, the example, of course, is uh, Malaysia and Philippines, say, uh, where uh, Philippine, the Philippine Constitution uh, still lays a claim on Sabah. So when Malaysia engages Philippines directly, it can get a bit uh, uncomfortable uh, domestically uh, in the Philippines. Uh, but when we, they meet, the leaders meet at ASEAN, uh, it's all uh, very uh, comfortable and, and convenient. And the same goes for Thailand, Cambodia, many, many other uh, border uh, disputes. Now, ASEAN often looks to the EU model um, uh, and experience uh, but we normally look at the EU uh, for what not to do, actually, uh, for better or for worse, yeah, to be fair. Uh, neither a customs or a monetary union have ever uh, been on the table for more than one second. There has been little interest in promoting an ASEAN identity, uh, but logical because governments were struggling to build national identities within borders created by colonial powers. They did not want to to have to contend uh, with yet uh, a competing identity. This probably explains why it's so difficult to describe oneself as being ASEAN, from ASEAN. Uh, many of you in this room can say that you're European. Yeah, but what do I say? I'm an ASEANite, uh, which uh, <laughs> makes me sound like I'm on a different planet. Now, moving on, the term ASEAN way uh, is very important to understand. Uh, it is often used, um, not formally defined, but refers to how ASEAN does things. Decisions are made by consensus. They prefer committees instead of any autonomous bodies. National sovereignty is always staunchly defended. Contentious issues are usually avoided and can be kicked down uh, the road. And not surprisingly, the ASEAN way uh, is often used as a little quip to kind of explain why things move slowly or just don't get done. And one symptom of the ASEAN way is that in the year that we launched the ASEAN Economic Community, the ASEAN Secretariat remains largely as it was 15 years ago. It has a budget of 17 million US dollars. That means 1.7 million. Uh, contribution uh, from each country, and it has 300 staff. The EU has a budget of 181 billion US dollars and 30,000 staff. Uh, I guess both are wrong, uh, uh, but certainly I think ASEAN uh, has a problem. And the Secretariat really uh, has little discretion with even the most menial issues being decided uh, by the Council 
of uh, ambassadors. So we have um, the ASEAN Secretary General uh, with uh, really not much room uh, to take his own decisions. Um, some of you will know uh, Kun Surin Pitsuan, uh, who was the ASEAN Secretary General. Uh, and he kept, always kept telling us that uh, as ASEAN Secretary General, he is more secretary uh, than general. <laughs> but the ASEAN way uh, has worked, uh, and perhaps uh, it is the only way to bring and keep together countries uh, at that stage of development uh, and in the most diverse neighbourhood in the world. If you look from a per capita GDP standpoint, Singapore uh, is developed and its uh, GDP per capita is 47 times uh, that of uh, Cambodia. Uh, Myanmar, uh, as you know, uh, is still um, um, coming to terms with um, modern economy. Uh, but if you just compare Cambodia, it's 47 times uh, smaller than, 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 than Singapore. We have the largest Muslim population in the world, second largest Christian population, and third largest Buddhist population. We have almost all types of political systems, democracies, military, junta, socialist, communist state, sultanate, uh, and the Singapore version, who uh, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and much of this driven by very different uh, colonial legacies, British, Dutch, we had them all, uh, Portuguese, American, Spanish. Uh, and you know, sometimes when you go to the Philippines, you actually think that Philippines is actually a Latin American country uh, in the wrong place. You know? <laughs> but with this, the backdrop of political stability uh, that was largely provided uh, by ASEAN, um, the countries of ASEAN... Uh, have uh, made great economic strides uh, in recent years. If you look at uh, real GDP growth uh, this century, um, it is third uh, to China uh, and India. And if you look at the forecast for the next five years, uh, it is more or less the same, uh, third, uh, but you know, considerably, growing considerably faster uh, than two other BRICs, uh, Russia uh, and Brazil. And if you look at the ASEAN, the scale of ASEAN, uh, it is big. Um, combined uh, GDP of 2.5 uh, trillion, uh, it is uh, the sixth uh, largest uh, economy uh, in the world. Uh, and if you look at it from a population standpoint, uh, we're over uh, 600 million, uh, which will make us the third uh, largest uh, country uh, in the world. Uh, and if you look at our other uh, rankings, um, ASEAN is, has abundance of natural resources, uh, production capabilities, agriculture, manufacturing and services. Um, the economies are generally open. Uh, it is, we are number one in crude palm oil, natural rubber, Islamic finance, number two in rice production uh, and Facebook users, uh, number three in coal gas and mobile phone users, uh, we have it all. Uh, ASEAN uh, is a bright spot, uh, and uh, there are many reasons uh, to be optimistic uh, about ASEAN's future. Uh, none more so uh, than the fact that we have very favourable demographics. 60% of us uh, are under 35, and our dependency ratio is set to improve 
uh, from 49% today to 47% in 2030, by which time, uh, if you bet on China, uh, China's uh, will uh, be uh, rising uh, very fast. Uh, and within ASEAN, the population is transforming. Uh, the middle class is expected to more than double from 190 million uh, to 400 million by 2020. Uh, and only 45% of ASEAN population uh, live in urban centres. Uh, the more developed markets are at some 78%. Uh, and of course, uh, urbanisation uh, brings uh, additional uh, lift uh, to economic growth uh, as well. It's also worth pointing out that you know, when you reflect on the ASEAN economic success, uh, you also uh, want to bring in um, societal norms uh, in the region where uh, workers tend to be more uh, acquiescent uh, and authority uh, generally more respected. I think this uh, brings, uh, makes it easier uh, for policy uh, implementation. Uh, favorable demographics, also favorable geographics. ASEAN is literally uh, in the middle uh, of Asia. Uh, and more importantly, ASEAN uh, has incredible networks uh, developed through years of trade, migration, and uh, colonialism. Most of the world's Muslim populations live here, so ASEAN is well connected to the Middle East of petrodollars hence the huge uh, growth of Islamic finance uh, in ASEAN. Uh, many Chinese and Indian immigrants um, uh, in the region giving us deep links uh, to the Asian giants. Uh, and where countries uh, always maintain supply chains and links with all colonial powers, ASEAN boasts the whole list of colonial powers, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And when you look at ASEAN, from a geopolitical standpoint, uh, we actually see ourselves as the nice guys. Yeah. That's how we play uh, geopolitics. We speak Mandarin, we speak Hindi, we put on our British accents, we put on our American accents uh, when we need to. And, you know, um, when China uh, and um, Japan uh, squabble, uh, ASEAN often uh, comes in as the nice uh, intermediary. Uh, the guy uh, in the group that gets along uh, with everyone. And you use that, you use that uh, for um, um, economic gain uh, as well. After what I said, um, it is surely not surprising then that in 2013, FDI inflows into ASEAN of 125 billion US dollars exceeded that uh, of China. So even uh, with current trajectory, uh, ASEAN GDP is set to reach 10 trillion by 2030, uh, making ASEAN the fourth uh, largest economy in the world. But we also have various estimates that suggest ASEAN may get there earlier. There's a study by Petri, Plummer and Zai uh, in 2012, uh, which used the general equilibrium analysis. If you want me to explain that, I'll refer that to Danny. Um, and it shows that if, fully, if AEC is fully implemented, um, the ASEAN Economic Community Initiatives are fully implemented, uh, ASEAN GDP will increase by 5 to 11 percent, yeah. uh, and the difference being uh, depending on uh, free trade arrangements uh, with other major economies. 
So the AEC has significant upside uh, for ASEAN. Uh, and the study also showed that the upside is for all uh, ASEAN countries. Uh, and this is, I just discussed this with Danny earlier. Um, we're all happy that all ASEAN countries will benefit from ASEAN economic integration. Uh, the problem is uh, we don't like the fact that uh, the potential, the largest beneficiary potentially is actually Singapore. I know the Singapore uh, High Commissioner is here, that's why I'm, I make jokes. <laughs> Now, let's talk about the ASEAN economic uh, community agenda. Uh, as I said, not a monetary union, not a customs union, but what in, they put together in 2007 uh, is AEC based on four pillars, uh, single market and production base, competitive region, equitable development, and integrated to the global economy. After they put these uh, pillars in place, then they set out uh, on many, many initiatives uh, to give substance uh, to the ASEAN economic community, uh, and as I said, to be formed uh, by uh, 2015. Uh, we uh, pushed through uh, the free trade area, uh, removal of non-tariff barriers uh, initiatives, talent mobility initiative, banking framework, open skies policy, power grid, uh, highway uh, network, uh, and so on and so forth. And if you look at all this uh, and you realize that uh, the you know, AEC will mean single market, uh, single uh, production base, then the implications to businesses uh, is tremendous. Uh, businesses can relook uh, at how uh, they manufacture in the region, they can adopt consolidation strategies uh, where uh, they can, say, produce um, uh, particular goods uh, in, 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 in markets where uh, it is most efficient uh, to produce, or they can go for fragmentation where uh, they could have a, um, a production process uh, involving multiple countries. So uh, the point I'm making here is that if you really respond to that ASEAN uh, promise of single production-based common market as a business, you would invest uh, and change um, your way uh, of uh, doing uh, business, uh, most uh, certainly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, let me pause there and basically say that, you know, um, this is where we're at now. Uh, that uh, we are looking um, at this aspiration that 2015 we will launch that that was described uh, by uh, in the ASEAN um, AEC uh, charter. So all companies like CIMB uh, have been gearing up uh, for the ASEAN economic community. And what I wanted to do is share with you uh, the CIMB uh, story um, I thought it would take too long, so I got my guys, uh, as chairmen can do, I got my guys to put a video uh, together. Uh, and uh, quickly, in five minutes, uh, we will tell you uh, the whole uh, CIMB uh, story. It is not a commercial, not really. No. <laughs> Thank you. The, so, clearly, um, from the video, you can see how committed um, CIMB uh, has been to the ASEAN agenda, 
from one country, we've evolved um, to uh, the leading ASEAN player, and we've enjoyed the synergies of operating in multiple uh, ASEAN countries. But we are hoping uh, and expecting much, much more uh, from or because uh, of the AEC uh, promise. Uh, and a company like us, we've invested a lot in, anticipate, in anticipation of the AEC. We've spent 500 million US dollars uh, on a single uh, IT uh, platform uh, right across ASEAN. Uh, so if the region doesn't integrate, uh, we're going to take much, much longer uh, to get returns uh, from uh, that investment, uh, for instance. And of course, uh, we're brand aligned to ASEAN. We're the only company that's gone out to say ASEAN. Uh, for you. Uh, so something goes wrong with ASEAN. Uh, that's not good for us. Yeah. Um, so I, from my vantage point, I worry uh, about the reality uh, behind uh, the uh, uh, implementation uh, of the AEC. Now, as we stand today, end of 2015, what are we going to get? Frankly, uh, the AEC will be uh, a free trade area plus a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it will be uh, free trade area plus many initiatives uh, that are work uh, in uh, progress. Uh, big business uh, has got a taste of AEC, uh, is now pushing very hard uh, for more integration. SMEs uh, today don't know much about the AEC, are getting a little bit wary. The public uh, in the region is generally unaware. Uh, I think there was some survey that says something like 75% uh, of ASEANites uh, have no idea uh, what the AEC uh, is all about. It's been very much a top-down uh, uh, project. So at a recent event, I actually, uh, I actually uh, said it, uh, that it is time that ASEAN itself comes up with an official uh, declaration that ASEAN or the AEC at inception will not be uh, what is specified in the 2007 uh, ASEAN Charter and they should list down a timeline uh, post-2015 of when uh, we will get uh, what uh, of the AEC. But that should not be seen as an admission of failure, right? It is a perfectly legitimate strategy to set very high targets and strive to get as much as you can. Uh, and in that context, um, you know, AEC has done a lot in helping to bring down tariffs to zero, uh, has started many important initiatives. Uh, and certainly, if you look at the data in terms of uh, flows within ASEAN, it has contributed uh, to a sharp growth in intra-ASEAN uh, investments, um, Many of these are companies like CIMB buying banks in other countries. Uh, Intra-ASEAN trade, uh, intra-ASEAN uh, tourism, uh, for instance. And it certainly also fueled uh, the ASEAN uh, multinationals, who, as I said earlier, uh, have now uh, turned around uh, and told the governments, great idea, um, but you're moving too slowly. Uh, this uh, chart here, um, are in the main members of the ASEAN Business Club uh, of big companies uh, that uh, uh, I set up, uh, and we are pushing, certainly, uh, for uh, more uh, ASEAN integration. 
in October, uh, for instance, we had a conference in, in Singapore uh, where uh, we, which we call the Lifting the Barriers Conference, where we deep dive into each sector and say, yeah, yeah, you guys are saying, you know. I mean, ASEAN actually claims that 90% of the AC initiatives have been achieved. Uh, if that's true, there's something wrong with the initiatives themselves. Um, because when you deep dive into, say, the financial sector, what has been achieved? They've had a capital markets forum of regulators and practitioners since 2004. Uh, yet they have two major flagship initiatives. One is the ASEAN Common Trading Platform, and two is the ASEAN Collective Investment Schemes. Both these schemes, launched in 2014, only saw the participation of three countries, yeah, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, and Singapore. Uh, and that worries me because if you look at the ASEAN Common Trading Platform, actually it doesn't do much. Uh, it actually just makes more convenient what can be done already. Uh, and yet only three countries uh, participate. The ASEAN banking framework, uh, there's lack of clarity. Uh, nobody really knows what it is. Uh, it's not signed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so when you look at it, my business, for instance, um, we still can't freely move people between countries. Yeah, I can only transfer very, very senior staff uh, to Indonesia and they have limited uh, uh, work permit. Uh, I cannot move information uh, between borders either. Uh, we were told by one regulator, uh, because we said that, look, um, we want to process credit applications in Singapore, yeah, uh, because Singaporeans are the strictest people. Um, so um, in that process, uh, uh, one regulator told us, yes, you can process the, the credit in Singapore, but we cannot allow you to reveal the name of the potential borrower. I mean, how do you process credit without knowing the name of the borrower? Uh, so these are the kind of quirks uh, that need to be cleaned up. Uh, and again, it's 2015, uh, not done. Uh, and there's many, many more. The ASEAN Connectivity Master Plan sounds great because it's all about connectivity, infrastructure, etc. But, but you know, not much uh, has been achieved beyond uh, a lot of plans. Uh, and they talk about the ASEAN grid. Uh, and today, you know, they only... Uh, allow electricity to cross border uh, when there's an emergency uh, situation. If you look at um, the food and beverage industry, uh, for instance, there's still no mutual recognition framework, so you still need to go uh, through very elaborate processes uh, at different uh, countries uh, and so on uh, and uh, so forth. And, you know, Tony loves to point this out, but the tourism group um, um, there's an ASEAN tourism agreement, but again, you know, there really isn't, uh, they, all they have is a two-week visa um, uh, for uh, intra-ASEAN travel, uh, and that's it. And all of us businessmen traveling around ASEAN actually use the APEC card. Uh, not, there's no ASEAN card, we use the APEC card. Um, and so net-net, the main concern for businesses uh, is the lack of certainty uh, and leadership. Uh, in implementation. What are we going to get uh, and when? Uh, and, you know, uh, as I said, you commit a lot of resources uh, and yet um, um, you're not sure um, um, whether you actually get there. The bottom line to me is that there's this ASEAN dilemma uh, which is trying to achieve its far-reaching vision of an economic community 
um, but refusing uh, to accept any modification to what I described as the ASEAN way of doing things. Uh, integration uh, theory, any integration theory will tell you uh, that being incorporated into regional organization means that you do, uh, to some extent, have to surrender uh, some uh, sovereignty, defer to some uh, 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 decision-making body for greater good, uh, if you like. And, you know, I refer uh, to what I said earlier, uh, that ASEAN uh, was all about initially uh, preserving uh, independence, sovereignty, uh, sacrosanct. So here's the contradiction. So to me, I think to go forwards beyond this year, yes, we accept that you know, a lot have been achieved this year, a bit disappointed we didn't get to what was promised. Uh, but now uh, the reality is that to get to what was promised, uh, we need a new ASEAN way. We certainly need to strengthen the ASEAN Secretariat. I think we need to um, have leadership of independent agencies to drive implementation of some of these initiatives. I know uh, that within ASEAN circles, the problem is if you have committees of ministers uh, to propose projects, as soon as, uh, say, a minister for X country proposes it, then the other ministers get suspicious what is really the agenda. Uh, behind it. Yeah. Uh, so we need some independent bodies to drive that. And we need uh, definitive legal agreements uh, to bind countries on AEC commitments. I worry, uh, for instance, that we invest, we change our uh, production processes, uh, and then a country said, yes, I'll do it, then changes its mind, yeah, or opts out of that particular uh, arrangement, and then what? Yeah, so there needs to be some certainty uh, for businesses uh, to uh, buy uh, into this. Of course, it's getting that balance uh, between um, preserving um, autonomous uh, economies and committing uh, to concessions that are needed to fuel uh, more value-creating trade uh, and investment. That, I think, uh, is uh, the fundamental uh, question uh, that ASEAN uh, has to deal with. Uh, I'd also um, uh, think that one other important thing to do is to, to promote the ASEAN uh, identity. Um, here, in the end of the day, uh, up there in governments, they're all politicians, uh, and they need to know uh, that there will be support uh, for the ASEAN agenda. ASEAN, uh, we don't want ASEAN to be this bogeyman who's going to be blamed for everything. Uh, that's very dangerous. Uh, we want ASEAN or AEC to be popular. Uh, and part of this is to <coughs> drive initiatives to capture uh, the imagination of the public. Uh, some simple stuff like rebranding. We have this thing called the Sea Games, um, and we should rebrand it to the ASEAN Games. Mm. Uh, we have this thing called the Sorcery Hawk Center. Uh, we should be rebranded uh, to the Sorcery Hawk ASEAN Center, not the Southeast Asian Center. <laughs> Um, and we also um, spoke in Davos about uh, bidding uh, for the ASEAN World Cup or the ASEAN Olympics. Uh, these are soft issues, um, but these are the kind of things that capture uh, the public's imagination uh, behind um, a, 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 an agenda uh, like this. And I think we also need to um, profile great stories uh, about ASEAN um, businesses. Uh, successful ASEAN businesses. Some of you will have heard of Grab Taxi, 
Uh, that's the latest uh, tech success story. Uh, uh, the, Malaysia lays claim to it because the owners were born in Malaysia, uh, but really it's an ASEAN business. Um, they operate throughout Southeast Asia. Their shareholders are Southeast Asian. I think if you ask them, uh, they will have no idea they'll, they'll be an ASEAN company uh, like uh, CIMB, Air Asia, and all that aspiring uh, to be. Uh, and we also, you know, anecdotally, um, we were told of uh, one Indonesian uh, lady uh, who used to earn 300 US a month selling scarves. She discovered e commerce, she discovered ASEAN. Today, she's earning 10,000 US dollars a month. And those kind of success stories, uh, we need to uh, have more of them uh, and, um, um, of course, uh, share it uh, widely. And just to mention that, you know, and, and these were items we all uh, discuss uh, in Davos with government leaders. Uh, and the first instinct was major pushback. Uh, and the idea, uh, I don't know because it came from businessmen or not, but the idea uh, of any uh, a stronger secretariat was just uh, scary uh, to uh, the government leaders. Uh, but I think after we explain, explain, explain that you know we're not taking power away, uh, we just want implementation uh, to be more effective. I think we probably saw them warming to the idea. Is it a breakthrough? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but. Um, I think there is uh, somewhere there uh, between where the governments are today uh, and where the business is suggesting uh, we should go, uh, that um, therein lies the solution. Uh, and before this, I recommended to uh, Danny uh, that that should be one topic uh, for this uh, centre uh, to deep dive uh, into. Uh, and who knows, uh, it could be something that you'll be remembered for. Um, our final point is, can AEC fail? Yeah, I think this is something that um, is um, a little bit sensitive. Um, but, you know, of course, like many of us know, uh, living in the UK, economic nationalism is the enemy of uh, economic integration. Uh, we have our UKIPs, right? Uh, and uh, AEC will bring... Economic integration will bring winners and losers, and it's always the case that the losers are louder. Yeah. Um, so again, it is imperative uh, that we build the political support uh, behind uh, ASEAN economic integration. Uh, and within that, uh, one has to mention uh, a specific concern, which is uh, that Indonesia is the largest part of ASEAN. Indonesia has a new president. We are still not clear uh, about the support of the Indonesian president for ASEAN economic integration. That's critical. Um, Indonesia, of course, has, is very nationalistic, uh, as we all know, uh, and it's big. They're a G20 country, uh, and there are factions there who, think, who see ASEAN uh, as really uh, uh, something that Indonesia doesn't really need because they're so big already. Uh, so it's absolutely critical uh, that Indonesia really has conviction behind ASEAN. Uh, if it doesn't, after 2015, where in a nice way the ASEAN will say yes to everything, and then suddenly when reality sets in, uh, if some of these countries actually opt out of some of the uh, 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 commitments, 
uh, then you could risk a spiral um, downwards for ASEAN uh, or AEC. And if AEC doesn't succeed, uh, it will rock uh, ASEAN. I'm not saying it will happen. I don't think it will happen. Um, but you know, as a businessman, I think it's good to be paranoid. Yeah, it's good to be paranoid. And I think ASEAN should uh, be a great deal more paranoid of what could possibly happen. So in conclusion, um, let me just recap. You know, ASEAN uh, is, to me, a great economic story with an exciting future due to the, you know, sort of embellished by the promises uh, of the AEC agenda. But there's a big gap between uh, AEC, uh, the dream, and the AEC, uh, the rea reality today. And closing that gap is imperative, but we will and we will need uh, a, a new ASEAN way uh, to get there. Uh, the business saying, what got us here won't get us there, perfectly uh, summarizes uh, the uh, uh, ASEAN economic community. But let me end by bringing an elephant into the room. The elephant uh, is a metaphor uh, for the unfolding character of the ASEAN region. The elephant uh, is, of course, a native to much of the region, is an unusual beast, constructed from a bizarre assembly of parts, trunks, tusks, giant ears, barrel-like body, whimsical tail. In the same way, ASEAN is a collection of unusual and diverse countries. At first glance, the parts don't appear to fit together with any sense of cohesion or design. And yet, when combined, they do indeed form a powerful entity, just as in the case of the elephant. With all the potential the region has, if we get the AEC right, I think the ASEAN might just be the elephant in the room that the world will be talking about. Thank you for your attention, Leslie. Thank you very much, Dr. Sri. Now, I would like to open the session now to questions. Um, okay, I know we've already got some eager people with their hands up, but I need to set down some ground rules. I would like to have as much audience participation as possible. So I would like it very much if when you set the scene for your question, It'd be a very simple skeleton scene setting. You're not delivering a mini lecture. The only people who are allowed to deliver lectures are the two people up here on stage. But then ask your question. What I would like to do is to take questions in three groups of three or four, and then I'll leave it to Dato Sri to address these questions. And Dato Sri, this is not an exam. You don't have to answer every question. <laughs> Take the ones that you feel uh, you know, will advance the discussion the way you see best. So when I call on you, please wait for the roving microphone to come to you. Identify yourself for the purposes of the podcast and the recording, and then ask your question. So, James. Hi, thank you very much uh, for that talk. James Putzel from the Department for International Development here at the LSE. Um, while some other members of your family might answer this question more easily than you, 
I wanted to I wanted to ask you. Um, China is obviously very strategic for the AEC, and I was surprised you didn't talk too much about the AEC in relationship to China. And so I'd like to have your view on that, particularly in the context where the United States has become quite belligerent in its in situating itself in the Asia Pacific again and challenging China. And you have within your ranks the ASE, of the ASEAN way countries like the Philippines who have been quite belligerent towards that big neighbor. So do you see this as a, a, a problem in really being able to consolidate uh, the Asian economic community in that context? Thanks. Thank you, James. Um, can I have the roving mic up here, out here, please? The, yes. Hello, my name is Zuhaira Ali, and I'm a layperson. Um, my question is that at the beginning of the lecture, you specifically said that ASEAN was formed based on fear and not on affinity. As a woman, do you think that, uh, can you look at ways in which um, affinity would actually run the show rather than fear, which I think would probably uh, be the disadvantage in, in the success of ASEAN? Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, Zahira. Can I have one more question? Uh, right next to you, yes. Hi, I'm Vivi from Asia House. Uh, I would like to ask if the AEC dream uh, does come true, what is the biggest uh, challenge for uh, CIMB as well as Malaysia? And uh, uh, second question, I want to uh, I want to hear your opinion if. Um, if Malaysia will play a role as Angela Merkel playing EU in AEC. Thank you. I think we'll, uh, we'll let that round off the first group of questions. I know that there are a lot of you that I will be getting to, but if I can turn to Nazir. Thank you. Um, on the first question about China, certainly um, um, it is uh, an important um, factor in the whole equation, certainly. Uh, and if you look at ASEAN today, we already have our free trade agreement uh, with China. Um, at the same time, uh, we also have seen the only time our foreign ministers couldn't actually issue a communique after an ASEAN meeting uh, was because of China um, and its uh, claims. Um, but I think, you know, this is about how uh, we navigate uh, China. It's, it's a dynamic uh, process. Uh, and ASEAN is very clear uh, that it remains uh, non-aligned. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you recalled um, that in 1973 or something, we had this concept called ZOPFAN, Zone of uh, Freedom, Peace and Neutrality. And I think that, that is still within uh, the ethos uh, of ASEAN. Uh, but... Um, you know, on this issue of the South China Sea uh, dispute, China wants to make it a bilateral issue, um, but ASEAN today is trying to stick together and keep it as a multilateral issue, uh, and that's really where it stands. Um, I think that you know ASEAN does a good job at balancing between U.S. interests uh, and um, uh, uh, Chinese uh, advance, um, and you know um, I think that's where it is. 
Yeah. Um, Malaysia has a particularly good uh, relationship with China. Uh, we started the uh, diplomatic relations with them in 1974. Uh, and I think it's always Malaysia uh, that kind of uh, has to go in uh, and do the hard talk uh, with China. Uh, and again, I think we're doing that quite successfully. Uh, on affinity uh, versus fear, uh, the answer is um, I still prefer fear um, in terms of keeping us uh, together. Um, you know, affinity, I mean, Malaysia and Singapore, uh, siblings, right? Um, um, you know, love, hate, um, uh, and so on and so forth. But, you know, if we all always fear uh, of, about being um, uh, isolated, um, being taken uh, uh, advantage of, uh, then I think it keeps us together. Um, uh, and the um, third question uh, on whether, you know, Malaysia wants to be Angela Merkel. Um, <clears throat> I'll ask my brother if he likes to be Angela Merkel. <laughs> Put on a skirt. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, Malaysia will play that role. It will play that role in 2015 because it's chairman of ASEAN. Um, but really the true leader of ASEAN is Indonesia. Uh, it always has been. Uh, and my concern has been that, uh, is that, you know, Indonesia under uh, Suharto was clearly uh, the big brother uh, of ASEAN. And it has shown, Indonesia has shown some reluctance uh, to uh, regain uh, or take back uh, that that position. In terms of the AEC challenge uh, for CIMB, well, I, mean, I think for us, um, there's a lot of upside uh, if AEC comes uh, with uh, clarity in terms of operating rules for banks. Uh, and we are well positioned uh, to take advantage of that. Um, but the flip side also is that, you know, uh, there could be as a result of liberalization, new rules, uh, other, uh, uh, other people that uh, copy uh, what CIMB is doing. So it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's the battle. Thank you. Thank you. Um, on the next round, if I could begin with Robin Wade, who's right up there. So Robert Wade at the Department of International Development here at LSE. Um, I wanted to follow up James Putzel's uh, first question. Um, ASEAN uh, also has this extension to ASEAN plus three, and one of the apparent underlying apparent achievements of ASEAN plus three, the three being uh, Japan, China, and South Korea, is the Chiang Mai Initiative. Um, I should just explain uh, to those who don't know, the Chiang Mai Initiative was started in 1999. It's a currency pooling, foreign exchange pooling arrangement. Uh, the countries of the region concluded that within the region there were some countries with overflowing foreign exchange reserves during the time of the Asian crisis. So it wasn't necessary for Korea and Malaysia and Thailand and so on to borrow from the IMF they could form their own uh, mutual insurance arrangement. Um, so it was started in 1999. Um, my understanding is that it has achieved very little. Uh, for example, when Korea needed an emergency loan in 2008, it went straight to the Federal Reserve. It did not go to the 
uh, Chiang Mai Initiative, when Indonesia needed an emergency loan in 2009, it went straight to the Bank of Japan, not to the Chiang Mai Initiative. So the question then is, what is your sense of the current status of this Chiang Mai Initiative, and do you think um, it has a useful future? Thank you, Robin. Okay, uh, the Philippines ambassador. Thank you very much, uh, Danny, and uh, I want to thank Dr. Razak for his uh, excellent and very incisive pres uh, presentation. Just uh, one question, perhaps uh, one comment. <laughs> uh, one, the question is I'm quite interested in uh, the views of uh, Dato on the ASEAN Secretariat. I think many are quite aware that perhaps there really is a need to strengthen it. But as you know, not only are there financial difficulties there, because countries would perhaps have to contribute more, but of course the political uh, ramifications of giving the secretariat perhaps uh, uh, extraterritorial or uh, powers, and of course certain sacrifice of sovereignty. But uh, do you have any practical suggestions which we could explore perhaps in the ASEAN? And just a second comment, really more on a comment made earlier about China and the belligerency. I think it's quite clear that the Philippines and other countries are far away from being belligerent. In fact, in the case of the Philippines, we're trying to settle disputes in accordance with uh, the rule of law. But there are developments in the area which, uh, by a certain country, which don't, be, don't appear to be moving in that direction. But I just wanted to clear up the point that if there is a country that's being belligerent, it's definitely not the Philippines. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, one more question from out here before we... I'll come back to you, sir. Don't worry, I'll come back to you on the next round. Sir. Thank you. Uh, Boyd McCleary, a former British High Commissioner to Malaysia. Hi, Nazin, how are you? Nice to see you again. Thank you very much indeed for that presentation. I was trying to make up my mind as you went through whether you were a glass-half-full person or a glass-half-empty person. It was quite difficult to judge. I think on, uh, as far as um, CIMB is concerned, you've made a very strong commitment to ASEAN. That was quite clear from the short film. If that wasn't a, uh, an advertorial, I'm not sure what an advertorial would look like, actually, but it was very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were to look 10 years down the road, uh, what do you think realistically ASEAN and the uh, uh, ASEAN economic community would look like? And as a businessman what would you really like to prioritize? Would it be freedom of establishment, greater uh, movement of labor, uh, something in the banking sector? What, what are your real priorities for ASEAN over the next 10 years? And what would make a big difference in terms of attracting the foreign investment, which is critical? And integration has been a key component in the uh, attract attraction uh, of foreign investment into the European Union, Union for example. Uh, ASEAN needs to replicate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we'll close that round, uh, and I turn over to you. Yeah. Thank you. I think on, on the first question uh, uh, from Robert, I, I, I don't think I have you know, great insights uh, into um, the Chiang Mai Initiative. I think it's still there, um, but you're right um, that countries seems to, seem to go elsewhere. Uh, so uh, there, there is obviously uh, reasons why uh, it's not uh, working um, uh, terribly well. Um, on the 
Uh, His Excellency's question about the ASEAN Secretariat, well, you know, I think it's 1.7 million US dollars contribution uh, per year now. Uh, I think it's a bit of a stretch uh, to uh, say that ASEAN countries couldn't contribute a little bit more. Uh, That's one. Uh, But when we discuss this point in Davos, the suggestion uh, by uh, some of the uh, ministers and, you know, um, uh, aligned with what you said about the, the political uh, sensitivities and difficulties to uh, to get uh, more contribution and increase the scale of ASEAN. One suggestion is that we look elsewhere um, for the funding. Uh, so, for instance, in the banking sector, uh, there will be a proposal uh, for the funding of the um, driving body uh, for banking integration to be from the central banks. Um, themselves, right, to come together or uh, from the banks uh, to set up the body uh, for, uh, to drive this. But obviously, in some of the other sectors, uh, it could be uh, a little bit more uh, difficult. Um, in terms of funding, though, um, you know, there's also quite a lot of, there's, there's pools of, um, you know, capital uh, in the region that I'm sure, uh, you know, if if Danny Kwa can raise money for this centre, I'm sure uh, we can raise money uh, from some of these organisations for uh, the ASEAN Secretariat as well. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and Boyd, I totally uh, disagree with your suggestion that that was an advertorial. Uh, <laughs> there were no products uh, on display. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but 10 years down the road, I think the priority is, you know, um, we need to go out there and say ASEAN is a single production base. Um, and we need foreign investors to say uh, that anywhere I exist in ASEAN, um, I can reach out to 600 million people. It's, it, the game is about that 600 million people. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to come in uh, to invest and then find that if I want to, you know, I have 10 different licenses, uh, for instance, uh, then there's this, you know, then you go on to harmonization of standards, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, obviously, there will be some limits uh, to this, um, we understand. Um, and, you know, the CLMV countries will take a little bit longer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in 10 years' time, uh, ASEAN must be uh, a, 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 a single production base uh, and common market. Uh, and again, you know, my point earlier was, we do need uh, to get real and that the present ASEAN way uh, ain't going to get us there. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'd like now to have another round of questions, but before we do that, uh, Nazir, was that when you talked about fundraising and what I could do, was that a job offer? Are you asking me to come? Because <laughs> I can send you my CV tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Can we have another round of questions? Uh, the woman in front here, please. Hi, I'm a final year student, undergrad, accounting and finance. Um, I know that AEC is not aiming. Sorry, I know AEC is not aiming to be EU, but we are looking at EU as a role model. And looking at EU, there's somewhat winners and losers in it. So I was wondering whether you think that there'll be winners and losers in AEC, or whether everyone will benefit from it, like a fairy tale or something. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, the woman in the back, right up against the back wall. 
Thank you. My name is Elizabeth Pisani. Um, you mentioned that uh, to achieve what you hope for in the AEC from the business point of view, you need a um, more solid legal framework. Um, and I think it's hard to disagree with that. But I think probably few would disagree with me that of the 10 countries that we're talking about, generously eight have legal systems that are between problematic and downright dysfunctional. And I just wonder what sort of legal framework you envisage as being able to deliver this certainty that you need. Thank you. Okay, can I have the, the rowing mic up in front here? And I'll come round to you on the next round, please, but just in front here. Second row, yes. Hi, I'm Shrim from Asia House. Uh, you mentioned about FDI and ASEAN, and you know, uh, like it's a growing, it's thriving place. Uh, I was just curious to know what are the industries you would say. So, if a foreign investor from Europe, UK, uh, you know, America wants to invest, what are the industries that you think are best currently to start off with, for, for as far as investment is concerned? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, let me close that now, and then I'll come back. I know people have got hands up, but you know, please do come in again on the next round. Nizia, can I hand over to you? Thank you. On the uh, um, winners and losers, for sure, uh, I mentioned in my speech that um, even the 212 study that I uh, referred to is very clear, that whilst all countries uh, will win, um, some countries uh, uh, win more uh, than others. That's at the uh, national level. Uh, in the business sector, clearly there will be a lot of losers. Uh, and the problem now uh, is if you look at um, the integration coming soon, there really hasn't been much conversation about what happens to the losers. Yeah? Uh, are there social programs, for instance, uh, to handle uh, the fallout from some of the losers um, from economic integration? Uh, some of the monopolies, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, will certainly uh, be big losers uh, from uh, integration. Uh, and, um, you know, but in integration, economic, you have to accept that. Um, even in any liberalization, uh, you have to accept there will be losers out of the process, um, but give people uh, enough time uh, so that they can prepare for it. Uh, and when you talk about losers, don't forget, right? If a business loses, there are a lot of consumers that are winners, right? Uh, and, you know, you keep talking about, uh, you know, uh, some businesses having to shut down because of uh, foreign competition, et cetera. Uh, but often the case is the, the consumer is getting uh, a better price uh, for his product or better products as well. Uh, Elizabeth's question on legal framework, I think, you know, this is about... Um, what recourse uh, for us if, say, a country says it will bring down uh, tariffs and suddenly changes its mind? We have changed our uh, uh, production process uh, such that we assume that you know, we have uh, free access and suddenly it changes its mind. Uh, so uh, today, um, you know, uh, uh, the FTA relies on the similar framework as uh, the WTO. Uh, but when we go beyond uh, into the uh, non-tariff barriers, um, then that's a very grey area today. Uh, and I think the ASEAN process is something like before you can do anything, you've got to go to your, uh, you've got to represent to your ministers and then they have to meet the other ministers uh, and then they will decide whether you can take legal uh, recourse, right? And clearly no one has gone through that process because it's a waste of time. Yeah, but what I need to know uh, I need to have the comfort that 
um, if this happens, then I need to be able uh, to legally challenge uh, that original commitment. And under the, uh, the TPP, uh, it's there. Right? Under the TPP, uh, a company can uh, take legal recourse against a government for not meeting uh, the commitments under TPP. Yeah. Uh, so that's the kind of legal um, uh, support that we need uh, in order for businesses to really uh, believe in ASEAN and do what's necessary. Uh, for uh, uh, to prepare and take advantage of ASEAN. On the um, um, sectors, uh, well, uh, I think there's plenty. Uh, but uh, if you look at the two uh, big sectors, I would um, identify is, is is obviously the consumer sector, um, where you know you're really talking about uh, the growing middle class uh, and 600 million people now, uh, and secondly, infrastructure, uh, where uh, there's just huge. And demand for uh, more infrastructure, particularly uh, from Indonesia. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, our next round of questions. The, uh, you've been very patient. Thank you. The, uh, right in front. And then, yeah. Thanks. Um, David Brenner from International Relations here at LSE. I was wondering, you were mentioning Myanmar still struggling with being a modern economy. Um, what is your expectations for the very uncertain uh, still transition process in Myanmar when regarding that uh, the integration process in the market is happening as you were drawing it out? Thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank you for bringing Myanmar into the conversation. Uh, the woman up with her hand up right in front here. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Sari. My name is Anita Harun. I'm actually um, a student here, but um, I'm speaking on behalf of the National Health Service in Malaysia. Um, how would you see the um, ASEAN integration impacting on the National Health Service, mainly the hospitalization in Malaysia? Because um, to my understanding, even the National Health Service here in the UK has got finite and very limited budget. How would that impact in the Ministry of Educa uh, Health in Malaysia? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so uh, in the very back row, I'll take you as the last question on this round. Uh, in the very back row of this, this section. And then the woman in front of you, I know you've got a hand up. I'll come back to you on the next round. Go ahead. Hello, my name is Fatima. First of all, it's such an honor to be here um, and to hear you all speak. Um, as a Bantu baby from Africa, I have noticed that I feel like this is Silk Road Part 2 happening. And um, looking at your <clears throat> infomercial, I noticed that you work with a lot of uh, different countries, but I didn't see anything in Africa, in the continent of Africa. So I'd like to know if you would do so, and when would you do so? Thanks. Thank you. Now, there was a question from the row just in front. Okay, yeah, the two rows in, in front of you. If you could just hand it over. Thank you. We'll just pick that up as the last question on this round. Go ahead. Thank you. I'm a SOAR student in here. Uh, I would like to ask, if you look at ASEAN One economy, it could be the seven biggest economy in the world. But the fact is that the intra-trade in ASEAN is very low, like one-third of EU and one the half compared to NAFTA. And the fact that the ASEAN keep delaying the one community's timelines many times uh, admit that there's still a lot of problem inside ASEAN 
uh, economic community. So what is the biggest problem, you think? Is that because there's too many different political systems or China is the biggest threat, threat in ASEAN? Thank you. Okay, thank you. So we'll close this round. Nazir, can I ask you to... Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, on, on Myanmar, um, I'm no expert. Um, been there, um, studied it, uh, said uh, it's not ready for CIMB. Oh. Or, or it's a bit too uh, uncertain uh, for CIMB. Uh, and we took the decision that we'd rather uh, let a private equity firm go in uh, and first uh, and, and take the volatility uh, and come in later. Yeah, I think, you know, um, um, you know, we, we, you, I went there first time was just after uh, Dosu was, 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 was released. Uh, and we met her, we were incredibly impressed. Uh, and, you know, everyone was, this is the ASEAN Business Club, we already, we already take out our checkbooks uh, and so on. Uh, then we met the government. Uh, then we realized that you know, there isn't really a plan uh, as yet. Uh, and I think it's going to take uh, some time. And of course, the whole uh, political uh, situation uh, needs to uh, play out. Uh, it's, it's quite unclear. Uh, on the uh, National Health Service, I, I really have no idea. Um, it, you're, you're funded by uh, the Malaysian government. Uh, and however, you know, I think that there are a lot of um, uh, very positive uh, private sector uh, initiatives uh, in health. Uh, and I think that ASEAN uh, economic community uh, will bring uh, more efficient uh, and uh, better economies of scale uh, in the health services. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not happy with the government budget, uh, join a private uh, hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on uh, Africa, uh, classified as uh, a frontier market, uh, we at CIMB would like to uh, focus on our core markets, uh, which is ASEAN. Uh, we don't see uh, going to Africa uh, any uh, time soon. Uh, we don't, you know, I, I think there's such a thing as being uh, too big uh, when it comes to banking, uh, and we think our area is is is, is Southeast Asia and. We think that, you know, even when we think of going global, all we think about is having partners, uh, one in Latin America, one in Africa, uh, and we'll be the Southeast Asia uh, part of, of, of that network. Yeah. Um, and on the, uh, I agree, intra-ASEAN trade uh, has been relatively static at about 25% uh, of uh, total trade. Uh, and, you know, my uh, presentation was a lot, all about, uh, a lot about the, um, problems or, or difficulties of uh, ASEAN economic uh, integration. Uh, and, but as I said, you know, I think uh, that uh, the real, the, the crux of the problem uh, is implementation uh, and the gap uh, between um, this aspiration uh, of uh, integration and uh, the ASEAN way uh, of doing things. Um, but you know, um, Boyd, I am glass half uh, full. Uh, I think that uh, we can get there uh, if we really uh, nail down uh, this sort of halfway point uh, between preserving um, the important bits of national uh, sovereignty and uh, economic management, uh, but at the same time um, create uh, the right platforms uh, and uh, incentives uh, for uh, governments to allow 
some uh, supranational uh, bodies, if you like, uh, to help um, um, ASEAN integrate. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> okay, one, I'm afraid this might have to be a last round of questions. So the gentleman um, in the corner there. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have uh, two very simple questions, almost childish, and a serious, important comment to make. The questions are, I mean, Datosuri addressed the elephant in the room, and he himself says 75% of the population don't know what's going on in ASEAN. The white elephant, or the elephant, or the elephant in the room will stay there and will cause you problems, unless the people know what is going on. Secondly, you pointed out to the Middle East as a lucrative place for Islamic banking. No! It's only Southeast Asia, Malaysia, and Indonesia. <laughs> Where did you get this from? And the Middle East, in any case, is on fire. And my serious question, I shave under the rule of Chatham House, and I don't like people saying, you have the privilege to answer the questions or ignore them. Don't. That does discredit to LSE. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your interpretation of what LSE is about. <laughs> okay, the gentleman up there, and then I'm going to come down here. Uh, my name's uh, Taufik from uh, JT Consultants in Cardiff. Um, you mentioned uh, about uh, the migration of your workers in CIMB, how it's limited uh, with its work permit and so forth. Uh, and you also mentioned that there's uh, nationalistic uh, drivers within countries to limit the migration. How far do you see uh, the limitations of migration within uh, the ASEAN countries, uh, and especially with the issues that have been born from the European Union? Okay, there was a question here. Are you still up? Yeah. Um, Mio, uh, Government Department, LSE, PhD student. I was just wondering, I think the last thing the region needs is, you know, more paternalism, basically, more people telling us what to do. My, my question is, from a business perspective, what really is the identity of ASEAN, you know, in the, in, in the near future? Because I think this is the core point of it. Um, it seems like you're coming from this perspective and we really want to know um, is it going to be just a business transaction or will we be brothers uh, of arms um, and you know, stay where the mountain meets forever, that kind of thing. Okay, thank you. Now, there were two questions there. If they're short, we can sneak them in, but they're really short of time. So the question first from over here. Hello, uh, my name is Hazim from Warwick University. My question would be, what lessons from the EU would be most important and relevant for the ASEAN region to be learning from, be it from the positive or less positive sense of EU's history? Thank you. Thank you very much. And then the last question. Oh, same question? Okay, fine. Um, can I turn over to you, Nadia? Sure. Again, you don't have to answer every single question. <laughs> Thank you.
Your okay, go. my go. Uh, firstly, on um, Islamic finance, uh, what I mentioned is that we have, um, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, Malaysia is the leader uh, in Islamic finance. Uh, that's all. Uh, secondly, on uh, Taufik, your question on the uh, talent um, migration, basically under the AEC, um, what it stipulated is that it's free flow uh, of skilled labor, right? Uh, and maybe uh, this is learned another a lesson from the EU uh, where it's quite specific. Uh, there are inherent dangers if it's free flow of um, all labor. Um, Singapore was sink, I think. Um, mm. um, then uh, Mio's question about um, ASEAN. I think, you know, uh, it's important to, um, I think, be clear that as far as I'm concerned, uh, ASEAN's aspiration is not to be uh, one country. Uh, we are um, really about uh, economic integration and even um, with respect to the community, it's quite specific. We're talking about uh, social-cultural uh, community, uh, fairly soft. Uh, and then um, you're talking about uh, uh, strategic um, uh, uh, areas of cooperation, right, uh, in defense and so on and so forth. Um, so we are, uh, I'm afraid, going to be quite uh, practical and economic uh, about the partnership. Uh, we're here, um, 10 countries coming together uh, so that uh, our people will have better lives. Uh, this is about uh, um, doing more business uh, together and, 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 and so on. That's all. Uh, Hazim, in terms of your uh, lessons from EU, uh, I think the first lesson is that economic integration works. Uh, economic integration uh, in EU, all the data suggests uh, that you know uh, the, the 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 many uh, initial years uh, of uh, EU uh, brought enhancement uh, to uh, GDP, etc. Uh, for all countries, it has been uh, very positive. Uh, and you know the recent events in terms of the troubles uh, with the monetary union, etc. Uh, I think should be kept separate uh, from. Uh, the sort of first phase, uh, if you like, uh, where economic integration brought a great value uh, to its people. And uh, we want to learn uh, from that, uh, i.e. Uh, there's a lot we can benefit from uh, economic integration. Uh, we also um, uh, have been fortunate, I think this is the best thing about coming from developing markets, right? We just look at the developed markets and make sure we don't replicate the mistakes. Uh, <laughs> and we're very, very clear, uh, if we weren't before, uh, that there will be uh, no uh, monetary union. Uh, no one even... Uh, goes there, uh, and you know, of course, no fiscal union, uh, and and definitely, you're not going to get an ASEAN Parliament uh, either. Uh, so it's a very different version, um, you know, tongue in cheek uh, that we uh, learn what not to do uh, from EU. Um, but in reality, uh, EU has uh, brought uh, a, a lot of good things uh, as well, which you know some people forget uh, with the current noise around it. Thank you, Dr. Sri. <coughs> I think I'm afraid we've come to the end of the evening, and I'm going to have to call the session to a close. First thing I want to do is to, to thank all of you for your presence here, your participation, your enthusiasm, your questions, your attention. Thank you all very much. Um, Dr. Sri, you've taken us through a masterful overview of the ASEAN map. 
you've told us about how initially unlikely an idea it was, how different, how different the different groups, groupings are within ASEAN. But at the same time, you've told us about a way forwards, the huge potential that this region carries and its geopolitical importance. The, being the good guy in the world is a very good thing to have the way the world is right now. But there's much more to come in terms of economic prosperity, cooperation, and so we all look forward to that. But at the same time, of course, you've taken a cold, hard look at many of the problems that remain, even as we have already solved some of these. So if I could, to close out the session, if I could invite the audience to join me in thanking Dato Sri for just a wonderful evening and a, an excellent way to kick off the Southeast Asia Center. Thank you very much. <laughs>